Welcome to Invited In, a podcast connecting the global family of Samaritan's Purse. I'm Christy Graham, and today it is an honor to have Sammy Dagger in the studio. Sammy is a Lebanese pastor who has been serving in the Middle East for decades. After coming to Christ while serving in the hotel industry and later sitting under Billy Graham's teaching, Sammy committed his life to ministry. He has been a bold witness for the gospel in the Middle East for many decades. Throughout the Middle East and Northern Africa, Sammy has started seven churches, two Bible schools, and a community center to share Christ and alleviate suffering. He also serves as president of the Alliance Churches in Lebanon. Sammy now works more than ever as he cares for the people who have been forced to flee their homes because of the conflict in Lebanon, Syria, and Iraq. He and his wife, Joy, have two grown children, Paul and Anna. Thank you, Sammy, for joining me today. Thank you. You are such a giant in the faith, and I appreciate you taking the time to sit with me today. I'd love to start um, with your greatest honor, accepting Christ. How did you come to know Christ? Well, uh, when I was working in, in England, I stayed seven years in Europe, hmm. and I wasn't a believer. I wasn't married. I was a young man, and uh, I really couldn't find the true happiness in money or traveling or, uh, you know, in everything uh, of this world, I couldn't find happiness. So one time I said to myself, I want to search for true happiness. Mm. And then I thought maybe if I get married, I'll be happy, Mm. you know, because uh, wine and dance and all other things, it didn't really work for me. No true happiness. So we got married and I told my wife, we will have to go back to Beirut when we Mm. get married. I don't want to live in England because my last uh, time was in England. And so we went back to Beirut. But again, the first five years of a marriage, of our marriage, was not really happiness. Mm. Where have you been? Why are you late? And, you know, and all of this. And... uh, I thought to myself, I was free. Why? What did I do to myself? And then one time I was working. No business was very slow. I was meditating. I said, I want to search for God. Hmm. If I find God, I want to worship him. If I don't find God, I am God. Why do they tell me this is a sin and this is do this and don't do that? Who are they? In the hotel, in the Intercontinental Hotel in Beirut, we have a a man who was, he thinks he is a believer. And he's always to talk about the Bible and verses from the Bible. So I gave him 10 Lebanese pounds and I said, buy me a Bible. Hmm. And he bought me a Bible and I read it. And I saw the difference between the real Christianity and how people they are living. Hmm. So... I thought to myself, I want really to know Christ. But reading the Bible, it helped me, but I didn't understand. One time I was having a drink with a lady from England, and she was working in the casino of Lebanon, and I asked a religious question, and she was mad at me. Hmm. Is it the time? Anyway, but she put her hand in her uh, bag and she said, this is a card. Uh, I was in Hamra Street buying a few things and a couple of American people came to me and they were talking about Jesus. They gave me their card. Maybe they'll answer your question. So we phoned them, Reverend Harry Taylor and his wife Miriam. We phoned them and we want to have a coffee with them. And uh, they said, okay, they gave us a time to go and have a coffee with them. That day, the manager of the hotel phoned me. It was my day off. He said, you have to come to work because the prime minister is coming with 40 people. You have to be here. So I sent Joy, my wife, alone to them. And so she went and they talked to her all the time and then about Jesus. Mm. When I came in the evening, I said, how was your visit? She told me. I said, are they good people? She said, they are good, but they have nothing to say but Jesus, Jesus. Mm. I said, did they say good things about Jesus or bad things? She said, they said good things. I said, I want to meet them. 
So we had another uh, appointment with them. And we kept studying the Bible for six months. Wow. And then I accepted the Lord as my savior and my wife as well. Wow. She did it two months before me. And I said in my heart, oh, it's good for her. Now she mm -hmm. won't ask me where you go. What have you done? And, uh, and, but uh, after I uh, realized that I am really following uh, a bad road, uh, so I accepted Christ and became a believer. Mm -hmm. And I served another five years in the hotel as mm. a believer. Okay, so yeah. you did you did remain for a little while. Yeah, and but once you accepted Christ, you were very you wanted to evangelize and share the gospel. Often, there was about uh, four hundred staff. Mm. Every one of them knew that I am a believer, and mm -hmm. I told them about Jesus. And even the uh, uh, people they come to the restaurant, I used to tell them about Jesus. Mm -hmm. A group of Russians, they came to the uh, uh, to the hotel. Uh, it, it, they are deputies from Russia, about 16 of them. And they came to visit the, uh, they have, it's a politic. Uh, they mm -hmm. came to Lebanon and they were staying at the Phoenicia Hotel. Mm. And it was Christmas time. And the housekeeper was putting the Christmas tree and they were looking at her, you know, like this. And I said, Lord, how can I talk to them? So the Holy Spirit led me to go to them and say, maybe this is the last time we put a Christmas tree here. Hmm. One of them only speaks English. And so he was translating to them. He said, why you are saying this? I said, maybe Jesus will come before, <laughs> you know? And he, he was telling them. And one of them said, my grandma speaks like you. Hmm. And so another time I had a tract are you ready to meet God? Mm -hmm. It was written by Dr. Graham, mm -hmm. translated into uh, Russian. I had so many tracts with, with me, different languages. So I was talking to them and I gave them tract. They complained about me. The food and beverage manager said to me, you have to decide. Hmm. Or you stop talking about Jesus or you leave. Hmm. I said, I am, I am allowed to speak about politics. I am allowed to speak about gambling. About, I am allowed to speak about everything. Why not about Jesus? Hmm. And he said, no, you have to leave. I said, I don't leave, you fire me. Hmm. So they kept me. That year, there was a competition. If your section makes more money, and the people will write your name and uh, you will have a ticket and go for 10 days to go to Paris and stay in the Intercontinental Hotel in Paris. So Roy Gustafsson, mm -hmm. I don't know, I'm sure you know, yes. he, he came with a group from America. He used to take them to uh, Jerusalem and mm -hmm. teach the Bible there. And he called me uh, the first night they came and I went up and he said, okay, uh, I want you to tell the people about Jesus. That's mm. the first message I have ever given. And so they stayed five days. Mm. In the morning, I give them breakfast. They write my name. At lunchtime, in the evening, I took the most of uh, signature from the people. And so I won the prize. Mm. They, they said, I will give you a ticket to go to Paris for 10 days and you, uh, to stay at the Intercontinental. I said, I don't want to go to Paris. Give me two tickets to England and I'll take care of myself. Mm -hmm. So I went with my wife to see her family and so I won the prize. Wow. Uh, yeah. So the Lord rewarded you for yeah. your faithfulness. Yeah, amen. Now, when did you feel the call to full-time ministry? Because you were successful, doing well, but you felt a calling. Yeah. I was invited in 71. Mm -hmm. In 1971, I was invited to go to Amsterdam for a conference. Europe and the Middle East. And Dr. Graham was speaking for seven days and he was presenting the need of Europe and the Middle East. And then at the last night, he said, if God has spoken to you, hmm. promise him tonight, pray in your own language. Hmm. We were 4,000 people. And I was in a corner there I remember I prayed in my own language, Lord, I want to serve you mm. when I go back. And so 
when I went back, uh, you know, th this promise stayed in my heart. But the business was so good and I was making a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And so I start putting excuses. Mm -hmm. uh, I said, Lord, I am not educated. I never been to Bible school. Everyone I met in Amsterdam, doctor so-and-so, professor so-and-so. And I right. said, I am a table servant so-and-so. I am nothing. And uh, Reverend Harry Taylor was not in Beirut one Sunday. His wife brought another speaker. And he was talking about David, how he killed Elias. And, uh, and then when they put on David the, the, the armor of uh, Saul, mm -hmm. it was too, he, he said, I don't want it. Mm -hmm. I didn't hear what the preacher was saying. But the Holy Spirit said to me, these are the titles that you are afraid mm -hmm. of. Mm -hmm. He put them out of him and he took what he have yes. and he killed the enemy. So use what you have mm -hmm. and you will kill the enemy. Mm -hmm. Again, I, uh, you know, I said, okay, I nearly was convinced, but not 100%. Hmm. Another time, again, a, another preacher came. Harry Taylor was not in Beirut because he was really in charge of all the Middle East. And he was saying, God needs a man. God needs a man, that preacher. So after the long message he gave, I went home with joy. I said, this man is wrong. I don't like him. <laughs> if you want to say God, God doesn't need anything. If, if, if it was a man, man needs, but God doesn't need. And my wife said, she didn't agree with me, any hundred percent. But she said, you have a point. She went to put the children in bed. I opened my Bible where I was reading. Or I don't choose where I read. I read continuously. Mm -hmm. And here Jesus said to the disciples, go to that village. You will find a donkey and lease him. And if the man saw you doing it and asked you, why are you doing it? Say, the Lord needs him. And the Holy Spirit said, if he needs a donkey, he needs a man. Hmm. I was 100% convinced that God needs a man to do the job through him. Mm -hmm. And so this is how I, I decided 100% I leave. The law in Lebanon, if I leave, they don't give me my indemnity. Hmm. If I make a trouble and they put me out, they'll give you my indemnity. You know, they pay me uh, money mm -hmm. uh, a month for every year I have worked. And uh, so I said, Lord, let happen a fight and then they will put me out. And uh, again, I was reading when God said to Abraham, leave this country. And the Holy Spirit said to me, if Abraham said, let me fight with my brothers and I'll go. He said, he'll break his testimony. Hmm. You break your testimony if you had a fight. They put you out. You didn't leave for the sake of Jesus. Hmm. And I was convinced that I have to resign. I took my wife and children and went to a hotel in a mountain. Hmm. And I said, we have seven days of fasting and prayer hmm. because we have a big decision. I said to Joy, after three days, I couldn't stay anymore. I wanted to share with her why I am fasting and praying. So I told her. And she said, if you bring a piece of bread, broken bread, where you're serving the Lord, it's better for me than all the money that you're getting from the Intercontinental Hotel. Mm. And she encouraged me. So I went down after that week and I bought a Bible and I put the owner's name on it in gold. Hmm. And I went to him. He is a Druze. And I said, uh, Mr. Salha, Najib Salha is name. I said, uh, I, am, uh, uh, I, I am here. I want to give you this gift. And I am resigning. I am leaving. He said, the holiday in is going to open in 10 days. They gave you more money. You hmm. are leaving me. Hmm. I said, Najib Salha, I tell you the truth. I give you the authority. If you see me working at the Holiday Inn, spit at me and tell me you are a traitor. Hmm. 
I am going to serve the Lord and gave him my testimony. Mm-hmm. He took his telephone and phoned the general manager, um, uh, Mr. Lambert from Paris. Uh, and he said, give him his indemnity. They gave me $45,000, wow. my indemnity at that time. And so I have resigned from work and went. Wow. Yeah. So this is the way the I... The Lord took care of it. Yes. Yeah. That's beautiful. So you you left. You went to full-time ministry. I left. I ha- I don't know what to do. You didn't know where to go. So uh, what did you do? Where did the Lord lead you? Okay. Because I am from the hotel business, I used to go to the coffee shops mm-hmm. and sit there, give me a cup of coffee, and the people, they come, I talk about Jesus with them, the people they serving me. And one of them, I wasn't talking to him. I was talking to the chef of the kitchen mm-hmm. because he went with me. I was working in Libya uh, in 1960 and he, he went with me to Libya and uh, he, he used to cover for me all the time. I used to come late to, and he used, you know, they used to take care of everything. And I was talking to him, but this young man was listening. And after I finished with him, I'm leaving. He came behind me, he said, can I meet you? I heard what you were talking. I want to, to sit with you and hear more. Mm. So I gave him an appointment and he came and he accepted the Lord, the first one. Wow. And Just God overhearing started, you. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you mentioned Dr. Graham. You had a you formed a relationship and, and worked with him in the Middle East. Um, tell us about how you met Franklin. Well, uh, Roy Gustafson, mm-hmm. Uh, he is the one who told Franklin, go and meet Sammy in Lebanon. Mm-hmm. And Franklin has uh, convinced his mom and dad mm-hmm. that uh, he wants to buy a car in London and he wants to drive it all the way to Mafrak in Jordan. Mm-hmm. So he bought that car and uh, he drove it all the way and he came to Beirut and uh, he asked about me. I was I was off that day. Hmm. So he had uh, something and they gave him a discount uh, in that place because he was asking about me. Hmm. So he went to Mafrak and then he came back. The second time when he came back, I was there. So he sat uh, at the bar and I said, what do you like to drink? Do you like a glass of milk or do you like, a, a, you know, 7-Up or a Pepsi or... So he looked at me as I, I am uh, out of the world. <laughs> anyway, I took three days off mm-hmm. and we went together. Mm-hmm. As I showed him all the way, uh, you know, to Tyre and Sidon and uh, uh, the refugee camps. And when I took him to the refugee camp, mm-hmm. we were standing in a road above the refugee camp. And it was dirt, rainy, mud. It was really terrible. And Franklin had a long beard and mm-hmm. broken trousers. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I said, Franklin, you Americans think that happiness is to have a dirty trousers, dirty shirt, and long beard. And those Palestinians down, they think happiness is to have a beautiful suit and a tie and... I said, you Americans are wrong and the Palestinians are wrong. Happiness is to know Jesus. Mm. And that night, the Joy made us a meal at home. We went at home and uh, we had a meal together. He had some friends with him. And uh, uh, it seems the, the Lord start working mm-hmm. in, in his heart. Uh, mm-hmm. Happiness. Mm-hmm. And so he went to Jordan and uh, there is Mr. Gates, an, an, an American old man. He used to look after the trees. And he planted so many trees in, in Jordan and no water. Hmm. And in the evening, he was praying, uh, Lord, I have been so uh, tired, working hard, and all the trees are uh, dying. There's no water. Send rain. So when he finished praying, Franklin said to him, you old crazy American, it's a desert. It doesn't (laughs) rain here. He took his mattress and went up to the roof to sleep. And behold, 12 Mm o'clock, thunder and rain. So he had to carry his things and go down so quickly. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, again, that touched his heart, the prayer mm-hmm. of uh, Mr. Gates, that uh, wonderful, godly man. He is with the Lord now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I can't say I am only a link in a chain. Mm-hmm. The prayer of Mrs. Graham, the mm-hmm. prayer of Dr. Graham, and all the believers who have frankly met, uh, I was a link in a chain altogether. Mm-hmm. But when he came back, Mrs. Graham sent me a, a card and she said, thank you. What have you done for our son? He is back in school. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's why I had to ask because you've greatly influenced his life and, yeah. and you were there before the start of Samaritan's Purse. Well, Bob Pierce, you knew him as well. Yes, so ma'am. you knew the start of Samaritan's Purse, but before Franklin yeah. joined the ministry. But your, your friendship um, has impacted him greatly. So that's yeah. why I wanted to ask the foundation. Yeah. Um, and that was his first trip to the Middle East? Well, the, the, the first trip to Franklin to the Middle East, he, he, when he was young, mm-hmm. then right. he came with, with the Bob Pierce mm-hmm. and he was he, still young, maybe 20 by this time or mm. 21, I don't really remember. Mm. And he was pulling his chair because uh, Bob Pierce was sick. Mm. And uh, they went to the Carantina Church, which I have started. And uh, it was only a small room, uh, maybe 50 people can sit in it. And uh, Bob Pierce said to Franklin, I want to work where God is working. Hmm. And I can see God is working here. So Hmm. where I start. Mm -hmm. Two months later, Bob Pierce came alone. And he said... Uh, here is my passport, here is my money, mm. I am coming to die here. Mm. I said, the, the, the country is in a war. Even my wife and children, I send them to England and be, because they cannot live here. I said, Bob, you cannot die here. He said, if you don't let me die here, I'll go to Afghanistan because mm. I don't want crocodile tears in America. Mm. I I said, no way, you cannot go to Afghanistan. You cannot die here. You have to go back. I found the American embassy. And I asked uh, the uh, ambassador, and I said, please, can you help me? I have an American man here, and he it's a war, and I want to take him back to the airport, change his plane ticket, and send him back to America. Mm. And so he did. He sent me two people. And they helped me. We changed his ticket and we sent him back to America. And so two months later, he sent me a letter mm-hmm. and said, thank you for mm-hmm. insisting I come back. Mm-hmm. I made it up with the family. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe two or three months later, he died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You knew that was important for him to get home exactly, and make peace. Exactly, ma'am. Um, well, that leads me into a question I was going to ask. You know, I know... Um, I want to hear your early perspective of the early days of Samaritan's Purse, um, especially during the Lebanese War, as you mentioned. What what was their impact during the war? Yeah. Well, ma'am, Samaritan's Purse during the war, the first uh, maybe five years, Mm -hmm. Samaritan's Purse was very, very small. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was only Franklin, Mm -hmm. uh, Bob Pierce, and Bob Pierce's secretary. Mm -hmm. And Bob Pierce's secretary, when he died... Uh, she wanted to, you know, be herself. The, it didn't work mm-hmm. out. Uh, the Lord has chosen Franklin to be there. Anyway, during the war in, in, in Lebanon, I had uh, Tier Fun England. I had some people from uh, Holland and I have some people from uh, Australia helping. Then Franklin came uh, one time and I took him to the refugee camp. And uh, Franklin's heart is as big as the Lord's heart. I mean, like his Lord. And he said, Sammy, we have to help them because mm-hmm. they were really miserable. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, can't f- I, I don't know how to do it, Franklin, because they are the enemy of mm-hmm. our people and my people will kill me mm-hmm. if I help them. He said, no, we have to help them. You find the man to help you, I'll give you the, the, the means mm-hmm. to be able to uh, do it. Mm-hmm. And so for nearly nine months, I have a group of six people uh, helping uh, me in the Palestinian camps. And I had a camper, 
which will uh, two people can sleep in it. I made it like a clinic. And an Armenian doctor, Dr. Peter Manoukian, mm. he said, I will go down and help you. We used to see maybe 60 to 75 people every day. Mm. And another young man will take all the uh, prescription and go and buy the medicine and take it to their homes. And uh, this is when I fell in trouble with all my own people. Mm. Yeah. Uh, one night uh, I had a Bible study. And uh, I came home about 11 o'clock at night. I find my wife and my two children sitting in the lounge crying. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, what's the matter? They told me at 10 o'clock, the bell rang of the, of the house. And we opened the door and a man with a gun, mm -hmm. he put it in Paul's, he, Paul was 13. Mm -hmm. He put it in Paul's chest and he said, if... Tell your dad if he goes to do to help the Palestinians, mm. you will be dead. Mm. So I prayed with my family and comfort them and sent them to sleep. And I stayed all night before God. Mm. What do you want me to do? And the only verses that used to come to my mind, if your enemy is hungry, mm. give him bread to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. Lord, they are going to kill my son. Mm -hmm. This same verse. Mm -hmm. So the second day, I did exactly the same. Went down with the team to the Palestinian camps. And I helped them as usual. In the evening, I had a Bible study, but I canceled it. I came home. Mm -hmm. The man at 10 o'clock in the evening rang the bell. I opened the door. He put the gun in my chest. And he said, didn't your son tell you what happened last night? Hmm. Joy at this time came and stood between me and his gun. I pulled her aside and I said, shoot, you coward. Hmm. I said, if, he, if, if I'm dead, my son would live. Mm -hmm. And uh, But the Holy Spirit rebuked that man. He put his head down and went. And I've never seen his face since. Hmm. Yeah. So... The, the main thing for mm -hmm. us believers is to know that the one we are serving, mm -hmm. he has every authority in heaven and on earth. Mm -hmm. I would love the people of America who are afraid mm -hmm. to go back to Matthew chapter 28. After the resurrection, Jesus introduced himself to the disciples in a different way. I can interpret it this way. He said, in his heart, he might be saying to them, you know me as a man like you. I was hungry. I was thirsty. Mm -hmm. I was beaten. I was uh, hurt, uh, you know, and I died on the cross. Now, he said, every authority in heaven and on earth is being given unto me mm -hmm. by the Father. Go and preach the gospel. Mm -hmm. If we truly believe that the one we are serving, he has every authority in heaven and on earth. We should never be afraid. Mm. Mm. We should never be afraid. The fear of the church, or this really in the, in the church in America now, they want to be politically right mm -hmm. all the time. They don't want to disturb anyone. One time I was preaching and I gave this example. I mm. said, I was at the pulpit. There was a glass of water there. Hmm. I said, you people here in America listening to me now, I think this is water. And you know this is poison. Hmm. And I'm going to drink it. Would you let me drink it? Hmm. I said, we know the people are serving Satan and they're going to hell. I said, if you let me drink it, you're criminals. You are not saving me. People, we should tell them that they are wrong. They're doing wrong. And if we tell them they're doing wrong, we save them. We give them eternal life. Mm -hmm. It's not because we don't want to interfere with their life. We are going to help them. We love them. Mm -hmm. Jesus died for them. And so this is, this is the fear. I pray in the name of Jesus 
that every believer in America will be alive and they will not be afraid. They are not, they are not disturbing anyone. They're trying to save them. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And while you're mentioning that, you know, here in the West, I think we often are a little fearful of work in Iraq um, or certain countries in the Middle East. Um, but for the past several years, you've been heavily involved with Samaritan's Purse and with the work in Iraq. Um, why is your heart drawn to these, this place and these opportunities to minister to the people there? Well, it's not only Iraq. Mm-hmm. I have really the whole of the Middle East on my heart. Mm-hmm. We have 22 churches in Syria. You mentioned that I have seven churches in Lebanon. Mm-hmm. We have 22 churches in Syria, which I have tremendously. Mm-hmm. And we have, uh, in our Bible school in Lebanon, we have 17 pastors in Syria. They are graduated from our Bible school in Lebanon. We have two in Jordan. The president of the Jordanian church, he graduated from our, our Bible school in Lebanon. Wow. We have uh, a Bible school in the Noba Mountain. The first graduation where Franklin was there with us, 36 pastors graduated from that school. Wow. And now they are uh, spreading all over. In Baghdad, why do, did I go to Baghdad? Before the war in Baghdad, I was really, the Holy Spirit said to me, send someone to open a small restaurant, Hmm. a believer, and then he can work there and uh, uh, speak about Jesus. And it was going to cost me only $25,000. And then open him a a little Lebanese restaurant, Mm -hmm. and then he can work. The war came, so the idea did not, uh, this vision did not uh, be fulfilled. After the war, again, the Holy Spirit put on my heart to go to Iraq. Hmm. When I, the first car went to Iraq after the war, I was in it. I, I, going, I saw the smoke from trucks and from cars, and even we had to get out of the car mm-hmm. when we crossed the bridge over the, the uh, Euphrates River because it was hit. Mm-hmm. And so we had to come because the bridge does not take so much, uh, so mm-hmm. much weight, and we had to walk. Th- this is a very interesting story. When I left Lebanon to go to Iraq, I, I did not have a visa. Hmm. And I have, there was no embassy in Lebanon for Iraq, only in, in Jordan. But a man came to me and he said, there is a priest in, in Iraq. I want you to contact him and give him this letter from me. I said, with pleasure, I'll do it. So I phoned that priest. I was in the hotel. I phoned that priest and he came to take his letter. I was sitting with him, and then a lady came. And she said hello to the priest, and she said, Who is this man here? What are you doing here? I said, "Uh, I'm here just in transit. I'm going to Iraq. She said, Do you have a visa? I said, No. She said, Meet me at 6 o'clock in the embassy. So I said, Okay, I'll go at 6 o'clock. Went at 6 o'clock. She knocked the door. She was there waiting. Knocked the door open. You know, just... Uh, mm-hmm. So they opened for her. And she led me right to the council. She said, give him a visa and a separate paper because the Syrian were still in Lebanon. Mm-hmm. Give him a visa and a separate paper so when he goes back, they won't ask me, why did you go to Iraq? So he gave me a visa. I went out. I said, please tell me, who are you? She said, I was a beautiful woman and I got married and my husband was so much in love with me. Now he left me, but he gave me a house, a big house. And I cannot live in a big house alone. I rented it to the council and I cleaned his house. Wow. (laughs) So uh, the president of the alliance in in, uh, Jordan at that time, he said, my brother wouldn't give him a visa. How did they give you a visa? Mm-hmm. I said, I don't know. Okay. So I went to, to Baghdad. 
And uh, I said, Lord, here I am. What can I do? I don't know nobody. And the Holy Spirit said, go to the uh, uh, Minister of Labor and Social Affairs. The ministry was hit during the war, so they moved to another place. And I went and I said to his secretary, I want to meet the, the minister. She said, do you have an appointment? I said, no. She said, you have to wait. I said, I'll wait. Waiting in that, I heard screaming, a lady screaming. And don't ask me, how did I dare to go and see why she is screaming? Mm-hmm. I honestly don't know. Uh, the people, they say about me, I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I am. <laughs> so I went and there was a dentist trying to pull her teeth without any medicine. They didn't have. I said, doctor, please, can I ask you one question? How long can she wait without pulling her teeth? He said, maybe 48 hours. Mm-hmm. I said, don't do it. I'll bring you medicine. I went back to the secretary, canceled my appointment with the minister, and went to Jordan, bought medicine, and went back in the same taxi. I didn't even sleep in Jordan. Hmm. I went back, and I took about $10,000 worth of medicine with me. And I said, the best thing is to go to the minister, give it to him, and let the minister give it to, uh, to this dentist, and give it to others as well. So the minister was a Kurdish man. His name, Dr. Omid Mithat Mubarak. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, he, he uh, after, when, when I sat with him and talked to him, he said, why did you cancel yesterday? I told him. I captured his heart with this story. And so then he was promoted to be the minister of health. And uh, we had a wonderful relationship mm. together. Uh, we got maybe seven or eight trucks full of food and medicine from different organizations. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got uh, OCC, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to take there. And uh, Dr. Mel Cheatham and Dr. Dick Furman mm-hmm. and my son came to Baghdad mm-hmm. and they start... Uh, teaching the doctors and operating there. And uh, Dr. Omid was our friend. Hmm. Uh, one time we were there and he was going to, to go to the airport without any appointment. I took Dr. Mel Cheatham and Dr. Furman to meet him uh, and Paul, my son, to meet him there. Hmm. And uh, he, he, he became really a good, good friend. Hmm. Yeah. This is why we wanted you here, because your obedience... You know, the Lord has showed favor and uh, provided messengers and people to partner with Samaritan's Purse to provide a way in that most people can't get in. So thank you for sharing those stories. And um, I just want to ask, too, and you've touched on a little bit by being held at gunpoint, um, you know, you've you've served the Lord despite hostility, uh, war, civil wars, um, persecution. Um, You've watched your the church be attacked. Um, and destroyed. Um, how how do you keep going? How do you keep serving and almost get more bold? Uh, you know, nothing seems to yeah. get you down. And you've shared a little bit of scripture, but how how do you keep well, serving? The highest title in mm. the in the world any man could get outside of his country is an ambassador. Mm. An ambassador of America in Lebanon, he has the highest title. I mean, America could not give uh, uh, your ambassador in Lebanon any title else. He has the highest Mm -hmm. title. Mm -hmm. We are outside of our country. Our country is heaven. Mm -hmm. And we are ambassadors. Mm -hmm. Our responsibility as ambassadors Mm -hmm. is to be always in contact Mm -hmm. with the one who sent us. When you are always in contact with the man who sent you, our Lord Jesus, we are his ambassadors. Mm -hmm. And so he will tell us exactly what to do. Mm -hmm. And then uh, an ambassador does not work for himself. Mm -hmm. He works for the country that sent him. And we as believers, we honestly should not work for ourselves. 
we should work for the one who sent us. Mm -hmm. And this is my principle in life. Mm -hmm. I have gained the highest title outside of heaven. I am an ambassador for Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's why I keep preaching the gospel without any fear, mm -hmm. because he has all authority in heaven and on earth. Mm -hmm. yeah. you, you've talked about joy a little bit. I just have to ask, you know, she seems to be an unsung hero as you serve and do great things for the Lord. Yeah. How does she encourage you? Um, I really am grateful to the Lord that joy, when I started the Carantina Church, mm -hmm. she lived like a widow, mm -hmm. more or less. I used to have seven Bible studies a week. Mm. And uh, she, uh, the only time I had with her is from six o'clock in the morning until eight o'clock in the morning. We had coffee together, we prayed together. And, uh, mm -hmm. and every uh, night she has to take care of the children. Mm -hmm. And she used to pray, tell them, dad is in this home to tonight, let's pray for him. Mm -hmm. He is given a Bible study. And she brought the children in mm -hmm. a most wonderful way. Mm -hmm. Paul loves the Lord with all his heart. Mm -hmm. He is here with you, I'm mm -hmm. sure. Uh, you know all about him. And my daughter loves the Lord and she is teaching her children mm -hmm. again to love the Lord. Mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, she, she was a wonderful lady. She never complained. Mm -hmm. uh, if I have, uh, you know, means to buy her dresses or things, okay, if I don't, she never, never complained. Mm -hmm. She is satisfied mm -hmm. that we are serving Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. You, you like to call yourself a dirty dog. You're yeah. very humble <laughs> in your... Gentile. Gentile. Yeah. Um, but you truly are a pillar of the faith. Um, what do you want your legacy to be? Well, ma'am, Daniel said, though people who led so many from their sin to mm -hmm. repentance, they will shine like a stars, mm -hmm. you know? And... Uh, my, my only hope mm -hmm. that when I leave this life and I see Jesus, he'll say, well done, mm -hmm. you good and faithful servant. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is my legacy. Mm -hmm. uh, I, have, I have a little farm in Lebanon mm -hmm. and I have olive trees and maybe 100 or 150 years old olive, olive trees. I go and talk to them many times. When I am pruning them, I said, so many people have done this before me mm -hmm. and they left you and I'm going to leave you. I'm going to leave you. I don't know who will come after me. Mm -hmm. And we are leaving. Nothing is abiding here. Mm -hmm. We are leaving. We are going to leave and go to heaven. Mm -hmm. Psalm 39, David had a wonderful prayer. David said in his prayer to the Lord, show me how fleeting I am mm -hmm. and, how, and uh, how my days are just numbered. He said, just it can be taken by... by uh, uh, anyway, so he was only praying for God to show him how he is fleeting and going away and everything is going away. He said, so I might gain a heart of wisdom. When we know that everything is going away, everything is going to be destroyed, when Jesus comes and we are all praying, the earth is going to be burned mm -hmm. and everything on it. And so if we know that the earth is going to be burned, why spending so much money and time mm -hmm. to, you know, do it. Mm -hmm. It's going to be burned. Mm -hmm. And you've watched, as I said, you've watched your church be destroyed. You've watched refugees flee their homeland. How do you encourage people um, in such a wake of destruction and devastation? How do you how do you point them to this eternal kingdom that we are seeking for? Well, ma'am, it's it's really so easy. I I take it uh, as as my Lord has done. Mm -hmm. uh, he he fed them. He, he prayed for them, he loved them, he served them, and uh, I do exactly the same. And doing this, I earn the right, when they see the love of Christ, I earn the right to tell them about mm -hmm. repentance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and this, is, this is what I do. 
I just, actually, when I started the Quarantina Church, mm-hmm. I read the Acts of the Apostles mm-hmm. seven times. And I said, Lord, I want my church mm-hmm. to be like the first church. And if you read the Acts of the Apostles, you'll see they were feeding people, they were giving. And he said, because in a sacrifice like this, God is pleased. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, we, we do exactly the same. We love them, we help them, and we tell them about hmm. Jesus. If you only give them rice, and you give them sugar, and you give them medicine, and you don't give them Christ, hmm. you've done nothing. Mm-hmm. You have done nothing. Mm-hmm. Because if you give them food, they will be hungry tomorrow. Mm-hmm. If you give them medicine today, they will be sick tomorrow. If you give them whatever. But when you give them Christ, you gave them eternal life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't accept any ministry without honoring Christ. Mm-hmm. If you give a glass of water in my name, I don't give anything in my name. Mm-hmm. And uh, I give things in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And Franklin, when he was in uh, Iraq the last time, he spoke to the uh, staff and he said to them, your main goal is to honor Christ and to lift his name up. Mm -hmm. If you cannot do it, go home. Mm -hmm. If you cannot do it, go home. Mm Thank you so much for sharing. And in closing, I know you've shared many and you have so many stories, um, but could you tell us one more story of where God truly impacted your life or saved you? I know you've been captured um, before. Yeah. Just with to close. Yeah. I was going to a Bible study in the mountain. Mm-hmm. And to reach that Christian village, I had to go through a Deruze village. Mm-hmm. And I was driving the camper, which I used it in the, in the Shatila and Sabra mm-hmm. camp as a clinic. Uh, two men on a motorbike came before me, and the man in front, he took his jacket like this, and he showed me his gun. He said, stop. Hmm. So I stopped. He came in my car next to me. He put his gun in my uh, side, and he said, don't say one word. Go where I tell you. And they took me down and down in the valley to a house. So they took everything from me. My money, my identity, everything. The only thing they left is a New Testament in my pocket. So they put me in a room and no chair. There is nothing. And uh, I said, I said, Lord, here I am. I knelt down and I prayed and I said, now the Lord will give me uh, victory and uh, courage. Hmm. I opened my New Testament to read. My hand was shaking. Mm -hmm. Lord, you promised me that you'll give me strength. Mm -hmm. So, strength did not come. So, I laid before God and I said, Lord, help me. And the verse came to my mind, to be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. I said, Lord, am I going to die? To be absent from the body is to be present with God. And this verse kept on repeating, repeating all the time. And I truly became like a lion, so strong. And I, I've, I've, I've forgotten my wife. I've forgotten my children. I've forgotten my church. I only want to see Christ. <laughs> so maybe a couple of hours later, the door opened and they took me inside and there was maybe seven people sitting. And one of them said, who are you? I said, I'm a servant of Christ. He said, what do you mean by servant of... I said, I am a religious man. I am, I am a, he said, why don't you have a clothes like a religious man? I said, if I have a clothes like a religious man, you wouldn't have kidnapped me. We in the evangelical church like to go through what our people will go through. Hmm. So he said, okay, because you are a religious man, now you will answer. I said, before you say anything, I have seven brothers. Hmm. If you ask me about them, I say, I don't know. 
because they are not believers. If you ask me the people in my church, I'll tell you because I know who they are. Hmm. He said, you answer or else. I said, all what you can do, you can kill me. And if when you kill me, I see Christ. At this time, a man came very well dressed. They stood for him, saluted him. He gave order. They put me back to the room. And so after maybe 10, 15 minutes, they brought everything for me, hmm. all what they took. And uh, they gave me the keys of the car and they said, you can go. I and the man was going to take me from a different uh, door. I said, I'll go to the people and say thank you for them. And he said, okay, you go. I went inside and I said, thank you. I am so grateful for you. Uh, they said, we are so sorry. Uh, can we make a coffee for you? I said, no, next week I'll come and have a coffee with you. <laughs> the second week I went with a letter and a Bible and I gave them a letter how to become a believer, how to become saved. And then I gave them a Bible and I had a coffee with them. Yeah. <laughs> So they not only didn't kill you, but they invited you back. Yeah, they inv yeah, <laughs> you were able yes, to share Christ. Yes, yes ma'am. Yeah. That is so beautiful. Thank yeah. you for sharing. I think we in the West just don't understand persecution. We don't understand the threat, yeah. and you do. And so I thank you for sharing that with us and, and bolding, uh, yeah. helping us to be bold. Yeah. And well, glory to Jesus. The suffering is the vitamin mm. to the church. Mm. And, uh, you know, red carpet and air conditions and uh, I don't know, uh, Satan used it to mm -hmm. get people uh, comfortable and forget about God. Mm -hmm. But the suffering mm -hmm. is the vitamin of the church. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's beautiful. Well, thank you, Sammy. Thank, thank you, you so thank much you. for sharing. I know, Edward, we pray for you daily and you have been a pillar um, in his life. And I know you told him, if you don't share the gospel in your home, you can't serve me around the world. <laughs> well, so you've challenged our family. Yeah. Glory to Jesus. Well, thank you. And yeah. um, in closing, uh, we like to to partner with uh, with you in prayer. Can Amen. you give a, a prayer request for the people in the Middle East? How can I, how can our, our audience be praying for you and for your people serving the, the Lord? Well, the the what God has put on my heart is abiding. So many people are backsliding. Mm -hmm. So many people now they look to the word of God and they don't really believe it. And they don't want to obey it because there are so many false teachers. Mm -hmm. My prayer, my request of prayer will be pray that the believers will abide to the mm -hmm. word of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The believers will still abiding to the word mm -hmm. of God, will believe it mm -hmm. and obey it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much yeah. for joining us. Thank, thank you, you for sharing your stories and the way God has worked in an obedient servant. Well, glory so, to Jesus. Thank you. Well, yeah. thank you, audience, for tuning in. Please be praying for, um, as he said, the believers in the Middle East um, to abide in Christ. We pray for all the work that's happening through Samaritan's Purse and through all your churches. Um, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.